Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. It's March Mania at Sports Interaction, NHL, NBA, MLB, March Madness, and so much more. It's bananas. Play pinata picks and minute madness. Exclusive games with insane odds you can't play anywhere else. Make your next bet with Sports Interaction. Download the app in Ontario, use the QR code you see at the bottom of the screen, or head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN to get started. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, 100-point season. How you doing, Oilers fans? It's Dennis. It's Avery. We're coming at you from the game where Ryan Nugent Hopkins has made career history with 100 points. Avery, who cares about the game? (laughs) <laughs> Let's talk about the Nuge. Oh my gosh, Jens. First of all, let me just give him a ovation. Well done. 100 points. First time in his career. In his 12th NHL season, Dennis. He deserves it. He's been through. He's been through so much here. First round overall pick of this team. Been through the highs and lows. And to see him get 100 points, I am so happy for him, Dennis. I'm, 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 I'm glad for him, buddy. Dude. It's amazing what Nude is doing when he's almost 30, about to have a child, and the man still looks like he's 16. (laughs) (laughs) Nude is on the level of facial hair growth that I have, man. The genes on this man, he just does not age. And it's crazy to think that he's gotten so, so much better this year, just out of nowhere. Uh... Obviously, there there was a couple of things that happened in this game prior to that empty net goal. But yeah, this is this has been just a monumental year for him. He's he is the Oilers. He is that backbone there. And it's the first time we've had a, a trio score 100 points since 95-96. Last guys to do it. Lemieux, Yager, Francis. <laughs> These are names that are Hall of Fame worthy. Mm -hmm. And now we got McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Nuge joining that pedestal. If if you're not watching the Oilers right now, if you're from another market, what are you doing? Hop over. The wagon's got room. (laughs) I mean, look at this forward court, Dennis. That is, you mentioned 100 point guys, and you have... We have a Nuge on, on pace by get 40. Zach Hyman threatening 40 goals. You've got multiple guys who are on the verge of cracking 20 goals. Uh, like, there is so much depth up front among that top nine. It is scary to see. Yeah. Zach in chat. Love you, man. Sorry you couldn't join us here tonight. Hope you had a great time uh, with Passover. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is seven years older than me. <laughs> Oh, oh, Avery, how how does it wound us as the 30-year core going, yeah, uh, Nuge has 100 points, and he's like one year younger than us. Hmm. <laughs> it, to me, it is just, wow. Even, the, even just saying that he's on the verge of three, I remember covering him in Red Deer. I remember seeing him in junior, looking the exact same, and it feels weird knowing, again, he's a married man. 
a child on the way, and uh, he's a veteran. It's funny because when I interviewed him for the Hockey News, I talked to him about that. Like, what is it like, you know, going from this 18-year-old to now being a veteran? And he admitted, though, you don't think about it until you realize you're playing with guys who are 10 years older than you. It hits you. And I'm thinking, well, now you're the, you're the veteran. So, but it's yeah. cool to see, though. I'm glad, glad for him, though. You know what? This is a, almost like a poetic way to get to that 100th point. Because if you look at the Ducks team, man, the Oilers might as well call the chef because this team isn't done. The Duck is still raw. Stick them back in. They need a couple years to cook. But you see the same type of things. You see talent in guys like Troy Terry, you know, Zegris, much like Nuge when he was making his way into the NHL in those first couple of years. They get bullied around by better teams. And the Oilers tonight are just a better team. If you look at the game, you you can clearly see that this isn't an Oilers-style game, right? We didn't run and gun it. We played a very playoff style of game against a team which obviously isn't making it to, uh, you know, July hockey. <laughs> when you look... <laughs> When you look at it, right, they gave it their all. And that's one of the rips that we've always had with this Oilers team in the last couple of seasons. They play down to their opposition. They don't, you know, give it their all. They play a run and gun, super loosey goosey style against teams that are honestly beneath them, right? And we did see it earlier this season with losses to Columbus, but. This game, and Anaheim, obviously, there was that one really bad one. <laughs> Thank God I didn't have to do that game. Uh, this this sort of team has suddenly changed the book. They played such a tight checking defensive game against the Ducks in that first period. And they gave all due respect to some you know young talent on this Ducks team. No, of course. You know, it was a game, I'll, I'll say this much, that first period, I've, even though it was scoreless, a lot better to watch than the game against LA. <laughs> that first period, oh my gosh. That was, you know, five shots total in the first period. Five combined. That had one of the lowest totals in the modern era of hockey. But no, that first period, very tight game uh, that we saw. But you know what, again, with this, with that early on, though, I was really a big fan then of the third line stepping up once again. And this team's showing that you don't need McDavid and Dreisaitl to always be on every single night. You can get contributions from Janmark, from Buke's dad, from Costin. And it's great to see that. That's how balanced teams win. When all four lines are rolling, that's how you know you're in a good place. Yeah, absolutely. You brought up the LA game that first period. I compared it last time to, you know, stubbing your toe or jamming your thumb in your car door. This first period, a little bit better. This was like, hey, you, you drove at a solid, you know, 60 kilometers per hour, good miles per gallon, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, but still, when you get down to brass tacks, this game was still Edmonton's from beginning to end. I don't mm -hmm. think there was, except for, uh, you know what, maybe one quick, quick brief moment in the third period early right. on when the Ducks were really putting pressure on the Oilers. With that exception, the Oilers seem to have this in control for the entire rest of the, let's say, 55 minutes. No, I totally agree, Dennis. And a great thing, this team didn't need to rely on the power play. 
this team we're seeing more and we're seeing more and more. You know, there's the old joke, ah, there was a bunch of power play merch, bunch of power play merchants. They've shown that they don't have to rely on the power play to get wins every night. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was a little bit of uh, speculation, uh, you could say, from uh, Steve Steos, right? In the mm. intermission saying, after such a tough game against LA, when you really put the body on them, and, and they did put the body on the Ducks tonight as well, uh, they might be tired and they might not be giving it their all. And if you were to say that the top six were tired, I'd still disagree. I mean, I might be arguing with the future GM of the Edmonton Oilers here. <laughs> <laughs> but it looked like Dry was flying. Kane was flying. McDavid had great rush chances. And you expect that out of these guys, right? They have limitless tanks, it seems like. Right, no, it absolutely does when you see McDavid dry side. Okay, I remember these guys are still, they're not, they're not, old. I mean, yes, they've been in the league for a while, but they're not old. They have the ability still to ha- to recover quickly. We're, we're not talking about guys who are 35, 36, 37 years old here. <laughs> you, you know what? I completely forgot. I, I have been ignoring chat. I just got to take a look at chat. Guys, we are at. 34 viewers right now let's pump it up i know it's good it's a late night broadcast from a late night game but ryan nugent hopkins 100 points let's see if we could push this to 100 likes i know it might not happen tonight but it happened last show let's see if it happens tomorrow thursday morning i'm i'm looking for that number okay uh zach says that anaheim solo cast that was that was rock bottom. That was that was a man breaking on camera. <laughs> it's it's always so funny though when I when I'm at the rink and for home games. It's always funny when I get a chance to I'm walking to the locker room to watch game over, walk towards the room, and just seeing just seeing how animated Zach can be when I'm walking to the locker room. It, it's it's so funny before I go into the room just watching Zach and just how passionate for his team is. Yeah, like they, it's surprising to me as well. Obviously, this is the first year of game over Edmonton. Uh, Avery got a lot more work under his belt, but Zach (laughs) and I are relative newcomers. And it's just been an amazing time. Uh, Chat, you've been there from the beginning. Shout outs to MGD, who's still here. Again, it's it's an 11 o'clock game. You were here from the thick and thin of it. Uh, Riley, my buddy. Uh, Fronksicle, yo, how's it going? It's, It's great to see names as I scroll back up through chat wise kyle that have been here game in and game out for game over and it it, it, it's breathtaking to me that we are now so close (laughs) to the end of the season and i couldn't be happier to start thinking next to the playoffs uh speaking of which you know edmonton is in a position to still catch up to that first spot in the pacific Obviously, it's been a while since Edmonton has topped a division. Um, longest drought, as they said on the broadcast, uh, of any major North American professional team. So, Avery. Yes. I want your take on this. I, If we're going to the first spot in the Pacific mm-hmm. and we have to play wildcard one, 
How, what do you think the odds of that are? What do you think that round one Calgary Edmonton battle of Alberta is? Round one Edmonton Calgary. Like, in, like two weeks ago, this would not have been a thing because the Jets weren't collapsing yet and Calgary was dead in the water. But I cannot believe that this is a real possibility where we might get this matchup in a couple of weeks. But I, I'm still not convinced of Jacob Markstrom. I'm not convinced of Jacob Markstrom as a playoff goaltender again. We saw how he struggled last year. We saw how he's very streaky this year. He's very Jekyll and Hyde once again. So I still see advantage in the series if they do play Calgary's in favor heavily. Yeah, I I would love that. You know, my one fear about Calgary's goaltending is not Markstrom. It would be Dan Vladar. <laughs> Right. Like, I would love it if we get into that first Pacific spot. Winnipeg somehow just completely biffs it in this final month of the season and drops off the face of the earth. Uh, Bring it on. I'm all for chaos. I want to see it happen. Uh, It's surprising to say, right? You look at these tandems, you say, all right, we got Markstrom Vladar. We got Hellebuck and I don't even remember who's in who's Winnipeg's backup. Help me out here. Yeah, I, I'm not even I'm somebody. <laughs> and Stuart Skinner and Jack Campbell. And if you look at this going into the playoffs, the the best tandem out of those three is Skinner Campbell. And tonight, Campbell played a really really good game. Hmm. No, I, I was impressed. And for the record, it's David Riddich who is in net for Winnipeg. He's a backup for there we go. <laughs> David Riddich. Big save, Dave. But Big no, save, uh, Dave. But no, you're, you're totally right, though. Jack Campbell, these past couple of games here, he has looked really good, made some big saves against Anaheim. And again, these are the games which you expect Campbell, or you should have Campbell to bounce back, have him play against the Anaheims, the San Jose's. These are the games you need him to step up to give um, Zerkiner a rest in. Yeah, like it it's it's so lovely to see that you know what? Campbell hasn't had a great year. Skinner, he stepped up, he supported the team and really carried them into where they are today, but at the same time, right? Campbell has supported Skinner throughout this whole ordeal. Now, in oil country, we know that there, we've been historically very, very harsh on our goaltenders. Uh, <laughs> I I want to see Campbell turn it around. And if if it's going to be just these last couple of games, because let's be honest, we, we know Campbell's not really going to play much in the playoffs. We hope he doesn't have to play much in the mm-hmm. playoffs. If he's just going to win these last couple of games, maybe throw him in there against those two San Jose games to to close off the season. Uh, give Stuart Skinner uh, Colorado, because <laughs> obviously. If that's what happens, I'm going to say give him the benefit of the doubt. Let him work on his game throughout the summer. Obviously, he's moved to Edmonton last summer, probably didn't get a lot of training done. This summer, let him work on his game, sort out his equipment, because he's he's been swipping, like swapping gloves and pads and the blocker. I, I don't know. Maybe he just needs to do a new haircut at this point or something like that. <laughs> if he can piece it together next season, 
that's a success story. If he can't and has, we have to figure out something with Campbell, do it next, like the season after that, you know, the off season after that. Um, <laughs> go ahead, Avery. Yeah, you know, yeah, I do think, I, I do think Campbell will get in the chance next year to redeem himself, but we mentioned the support. That's the one big thing is that Campbell has been supported by Stuart Skinner, by McDavid, by Drysaddle, by Jay Woodcroft. That is a good sign is that this team, this franchise, still believes in him and still believes his ability to bounce back fully. Yeah, like if we can see how this team has gelled and apply that throughout a full offseason, a full amount of training, uh, I'm I'm interested in seeing who stays, who has to go for maybe contract reasons. Um, to be honest, if you if you gave me this roster and said take someone off during the offseason and replace them with someone else, like it it wouldn't really be a useful exercise for me because you could pick guys like like Yanmark and Shore, you could take them out of the lineup. But then you got to replace them anyway. And in my mind right now, they're playing at above replacement level. You know, we bring in that idea of, yeah, let's get rid of this guy for this reason. The one exception is maybe for cap. But if you try and do it just for like playing better reasons, you're going to have just some guy making a million dollars at your bottom six. He's got to produce either way. Why not have that be, you know, Derek Ryan you know, Devin Shore and maybe Yanmark if he's willing to take a pay cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, right. But right now, I think, I think, I think, um, Ross team, I think, I think in the postseason, you might see a, few, a couple of calls. I could see, I could see, um, Bill Holloway getting called up. He is someone who I think will be called up shortly. He's playing well again, Bakersfield. But I could see him being put in his roster for the playoffs because we saw what Holloway did when called upon. I mean, it took a little bit to get things going in the regular season, though. But when he found his groove playing with skill, he was a solid um, forward in the top nine. So I could definitely see Holloway being one addition to his lineup um, coming first round. Yeah, and not to mention, Raphael Lavoie has made a name for himself all of a sudden, right? There was a period of time when we were kind of down on him as a prospect, but he's been tearing it up. And uh, just a quick aside, Bakersfield did clinch today as well uh winning their game tonight that's a let's face it not the best roster even for the ahl so the fact that they've been able to consistently bring playoff hockey to bakersfield that's impressive as well and it really goes to show like the edmonton system is well run right now and a lot of it a lot of it is tied to key personnel um Clearly, we have a little bit of a situation internally where Ken Holland probably is going to retire at the end of this contract. <laughs> if the man wants to keep going, okay, fine. This at-home signing was a masterclass 4% for Bukestad. All amazing stuff if he wants to re-sign. But uh, this is probably the sunset of his career. And there's surprisingly a lot of forerunners uh, in this Euler system for the next GM. No, it's true. I know people, I know, um, people obviously mention um, Brad Holland as a possible successor. Of course, mentioned it there. Uh, Steve Stavos is someone who could possibly be in the mix. I know, I know Steve right now, he traveled between Alberta and Ontario. He still, he still lives outside. He still lives in Toronto. Or sorry, the GTA, to be exact. But 
if these guys wanted to live in Edmonton full time, if you wanted to come back to Edmonton full time, then definitely I do think he could possibly be a GM name if living in Edmonton full time is in his interest. Yeah, and, and how about Keith Gretzky, right? That's a name that we've forgotten there as well. There's a lot of potential, not just in terms of on the ice, but this system and how we've complained in the past about the old boys club and how broken the system is on the Oilers uh, you know, head office. There's still things that need to be fixed, sure, but it's a fantastic direction. If you want to cha- like if you want to mark this up to me just being happy that we are in a, a playoff position and we're playing playoff hockey, fine, but right now I am 100% geared up to say the Oilers are the cup contenders that the NHL is finally finally waiting for in Canada. Uh there's there's nothing else to say. Like there's nothing else to say. Yeah, no, they they legitimately are, and you see, you see, you see, um, the odds that go up for for a cup prediction. You see, Edmonton is right there in the mix with team with, with great odds. With teams like Boston, Vegas, the Rangers, Edmonton's right there among the top five, six teams that are getting great odds when it comes to cup favorites. But you know, April seventeenth, Dennis, if the Oilers have home ice advantage, no matter who they're playing in round one, be it be it a Calgary, Seattle, L.A. The Moss Pit for Game One. That is going to be fun once again. That is going to be rocking. Again, like the building shakes when it's playoff season. When the Oilers are in a playoff series, there are so many people jam packed into you know the entirety of Rogers Place. But also, like you said, out into the Moss Pit all the way out into the entire neighborhood around the <laughs> arena. People are ecstatic about hockey in this market. And when you look at places that deserve it, you know, there's a couple of teams that haven't won it yet. But with the effort that Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Zach Hyman, you know, these core guys it's so hard to say that another team deserves it more right now. Like these are thirsty, thirsty guys. They haven't won cups yet. And this is the best chance that they're going to have. Like the West is so, so bad. And it's funny because we talk about how this is their best chance. And this is a year in which Nashville is, on, on the ball, St. Louis um, is, is going to miss. Teams that are usually there are not there this year. I mean, of course, yes, you can't underestimate. Of course, Colorado is still there. Minnesota, Dallas, Vegas. But this is a year in which Edmonton, by a lot of accounts, people see them as one of the scarier teams in the entire league come the playoffs. Yeah, like... People are excited, and obviously we're <laughs> we're on a channel where there's a lot of Canadian markets. There's a lot of attention being divided throughout, especially in a market out east that we can't rip on because they're our bosses. <laughs> but, like, this team is the cup favorite for Canada. Um, if, we, if we're talking about overall, right, the easiest path, for sure, the Western Conference is an easier path. You mentioned a couple teams in there that are still scary. 
I think Colorado, Dallas, they're still going to be scary teams. But surprisingly, with those two, with the exception of those two, I'm not scared of any other team. I think the Oilers can literally take out any other team in the Western Conference. Ooh, that's that's bold. That's a bold statement there. But it's confident though. That's very confident, Dennis. Yeah. Like historically, I, mm. I said this like I think two or three shows ago. Historically, we've been awful against Minnesota, but <laughs> I don't watch a lot of Minnesota hockey, sure. But if you just look at the way that the guys are playing right now, the Oilers have like what the, the second best Third best, third best differential in the league. Mm-hmm. I forgot about Boston, which is, they're silly. But <laughs> we're at the third best goal differential in the league, the best in the Western Conference. I don't think that Minnesota, whichever voodoo magic they do over in their <laughs> arena, I don't think they can stop us at all. Like, this is the year. I am all in. No, as he should be. But yeah, like that forward, that forward core, like Edmonton again, this is a team I know we've said for a long time, this team how likes to outscore their problems. But now defensively, they can lock things down. We've seen over the past couple of games here, they're able to tighten up defensively. They can win. They can win 2-1 games, 2 nothing games, as, along as winning 7-4 games. And we see the play of Matthias Ekholm. I know, Jake, don't get me wrong, Jacob Chikrin, still a great defenseman, still elite. Eric Carlson, still elite. But Matthias Ekholm, what he has done to help calm things down in the back Oh, magnifique. Just mm, amazing chef's kiss. Good soup, good stew as well. Let's hope that, you know, the, the Oilers defense can stay healthy. That's always traditionally been, you know, the issue. And you're right. One, one player, Matthias Ekholm, just one introduction has completely changed the entire outcome of that defensive core. And uh, let's be fair, right? We still have some young guys in a Bouchard. He didn't play tonight, but Broberg, like we're going to have some times when we have a mistake or two, but this team is good enough on the forward edge to be able to make up for that without getting into the discussion of let's just outscore our problems. Uh, Tonight, you saw so, so many plays where guys were just able to block Anaheim's players, steal the puck away, or at least take the body so that someone else could make a play safely. Um, you look at uh, you look at like the effort lines, like the third line and the fourth line, which third line might have been the best line tonight. Uh, Kostin, Yanmark, Bugstad. <laughs> I, I love saying his name. <laughs> they might have been the best line tonight. And even the fourth line, you know, they're not getting just hemmed in, leaking chances against all things that were too all far too common in previous Oilers iterations. This is a, a team that is deep. And if you look at the, the goals, you're looking at guys that are what historically less than 10 goals. They've they've been able to score more than 10 goals. You look at Derek Ryan, he's at 12 goals this year. I'm hoping that he resigns because I, I love the guy. Did you see his drip walking into the arena today? He got some style. I'll, I'll give Derek Ryan credit. The man's got some style. Well done. And the the fact that you have guys like this that are contributing, they can put in the odd goal every now and then. They don't have 
to do it. As long as Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid are putting in goals. Uh, Evander Kane, last playoff season, man, amazing. Zach Hyman, last playoff season, amazing. But if you can get one contribution in, a game like LA where you get one in early, a game here like tonight in Anaheim where it was so tight checking and you just get that slight advantage, the entire game unravels. And when you make that space for your top lines, they will succeed. And obviously they didn't have to do it tonight, but it's an amazing thing to see. Uh, Woodcroft, he's been juggling the lines extremely well as well. What did you see, let's say, between last game when they went with the 11 and 7 and this game with the 12 and 6? Cool. Well, you know what? The, I would say you mentioned you mentioned the line juggling. I, I would say one thing, too, that line juggling, it made a lot of sense. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't thinking to myself, what is Jay doing? Because there have been certain times where certain guys have been, been promoted on, have been promoted, and it hasn't made much sense. Like there have been some promotions of certain guys at times when Yamar didn't play well, he's promoted. But tonight, I, I thought the Lions made a lot of sense tonight, even though you know he went back to twelve and six. So I'm seeing Jay more often making promotions and at times demotions that do make sense, and guys who deserve to get bumped up are getting bumped up among his lines, which should make sense it should happen yeah i think what's also great to see as well is when you mention these demotions and promotions we, we oftentimes think of these lines as a hundred percent just uh, tiered systems right mm-hmm. but in this team right now it doesn't seem like that's the case you saw yamamoto occasionally go down to the fourth line just to bring a little bit more energy to a shift you see when they go 11 and 7 you know fourth line guys like shore and cost and ryan and they're just like okay leon dreisaitl's centering my line um let me figure out what i'm gonna do here because i don't want to embarrass myself uh this entire team is also just mentally different mm-hmm. uh, the way that they're able to support each other no one views you know sitting out a night as a, a punishment or anything like that it's just a situation where another player is more deserving of that space at that moment and that's going to come up big when the black aces start coming in during the playoff season you mentioned dylan holloway uh, earlier on in the show he's a hundred percent going to be part of this playoff push uh if he comes in he's going to knock a guy down so when you look at these sorts of these sorts of mentalities it's really important to dis- differentiate a playoff team and a non-playoff team where everyone's pulling on the same rope and that that starts with leadership avery you're very clearly uh connected with the team in mm-hmm. You look at that team, you look you look in that room after a game, it's, let's say, especially after a loss, what do you see? Like, the body language is is different from years prior. No, of course, but even though after a loss, one thing I like is that there's no finger pointing, there's no, there's not an ounce of blaming anybody else. It's, you know, we win as a team, we lose as a team. And even though at times... People might ask, sometimes people, of course, people are asked sometimes what went wrong. You're never going to hear uh, McDavid, a dry side, a Hyman, a Hopkins blame any one person. Or if there is blame, they'll put blame upon themselves. They never call anybody out. And I like that. There is a very mature air when things don't go right, which is a great sign of this team developing and standing as a united front. 
Yeah, and Minister in chat brings up a great point. Uh, there were a couple times when Campbell had to really bail out a couple of players, right? Kulak was one that really, really was bad. Um, he didn't have his absolute best game, obviously had a bad turnover uh, for the one Anaheim goal against, but he he still had a couple times when he was a little bit shaky moving the puck a couple of interceptions maybe not a clear zone exit stuff like that but it's not like years prior when you have you know mr old man mike smith shouting at a guy going hey how could you let this guy through when he had a a, a 160 foot shot to go right through him <laughs> right I mean, and I think don't get me wrong. There were years in 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 the decade of darkness. There were some years where I knew about the locker room was very fractured. Where yeah, there was to buy a locker room. You probably heard this about how there were years where there were times where there were some years where it was old against young, and there was for sure guys getting called out. But this current iteration of the Oilers, that isn't happening whatsoever. They are all unified as a team, as a group. Yeah. Ultimately, it's stuff like that that really pushes a team forward. Um, tonight, you know, you look at the performances, and if you if you had to highlight a guy, yes, Nugent Hopkins got got his hundred, and again, we're gonna try and push to the hundred light goal for Ryan Nugent Hopkins' hundredth point. But I think the best player tonight was Clem Costin, another hundred, but. 100th game he had a really strong drives to the net but heads up plays as well like that pass to nick bugstad for the tap-in goal like costin is it, it, it's such a godsend because we won that trade a hundred percent there is no doubt that we won that trade right now and how many times in the past have we been able to say that Right? No, I know. I know people were talking about in um. Oh, the, what about Mike uh, Kessler and Kesslering? Well, you know what? I understand you lose a prospect, but there's a time in which you can't worry about. I said it before, you can't worry about 2027, 2028. You got to focus on winning now. The time is now, and right now, Emmett has won that trade. Nick Bukestad has been a wonderful addition to the third line. He's probably going to get 20 goals. And this, and think about the amount of guys that people are going to hit twenty goals this year. That's great. He's been a great faceoff guy. His faceoffs are amazing. Yeah, so I mean, I, yeah. Like Bukestad, like you said, he's he's been an amazing addition. Uh, we're way too early prediction. Uh, what do you think he's going to sign for? Is he going to re-sign in Edmonton? And what sort of contract are you you're thinking uh, we're looking at here? I, I'll start off with saying, yes, I do think Bukestad re-signs, because, just because for the fact that if you saw in his, um, in his presser, like, he, it's funny, he's one of the American guys who likes Edmonton. He's a history of, Edmonton, of being Edmonton. He remembers playing hockey here. He remembers playing in the Burke tournament. He remembers coming here a lot as a kid to play hockey. He loves West Edmonton Mall. He loves West End. He came here a lot as a kid to play hockey, so... He likes the market. He compares it to Minnesota in a lot of ways, where he's originally from. So I do think Nick Bukestad signs, but I'm I'm not quite sure yet in terms of what he resigns for. I think we gotta see we gotta see how the summer summer goes in terms of who leaves, how the cap space is though. But I I think it'll be a team friendly deal for um for what Bukestad resigns for. 
I 100% agree. I know it, it gets a little bit boring sometimes when every one of the hosts agree, but Avery, Zach, and I, we just share a lot of opinions. <laughs> so I think Nick Butestad loves this team, loves this city. He's going to re-sign at a pretty team-friendly deal because he, he knows where his career has kind of been. And I think everyone would say, you know, I'm, I'm just going to put it out there. Game Over Edmonton host, Nick, if you're listening to this, we will... We, I will single-handedly get you a $100 WEM gift card. Don't you worry about it. Get a nice <laughs> team-friendly deal. It's it's on me. You can visit, you know, Millennium or, well, actually, no, Millennium shut down. Any weird, any weird store you want in West Edmonton Mall, it's on me. Don't worry about it. Um, I, I think Nick Bukestad will re-sign here. Um, obviously, Yanmark, I, I don't know, but if he's willing to take a team-friendly deal, I said I, I'm okay with him re-signing here. He's had a, a good contribution to the penalty kill. Um, there's there's going to be a couple of changes for sure, but I think the core of this team is so solidified and it's so rock-solid that the periphery players or the support players, they're willing to take deals just to stick with this team now on on the topic of the penalty kill it's been pretty dang good in the last little while uh zach and i has obviously have obviously you know talked about it a little bit last show but avery i want to get your perspective now what happened to this penalty kill and why are we suddenly elite you know first of all i'm 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 first of all happy the fact that it has improved because Earlier this year, and even back to last year, it was a very, very suspect thing. But what I think I love, what what I love is that they they are able to clear the puck a lot more on belly kills now, which I which is a lot, which is great to see. Now you're not seeing that panic in front of the goaltender, be it Skinner or Campbell, as much. There's a there's a sense of calm more so in the penalty kill now to block shots, um, clear rebounds. You didn't see earlier in this year. It was really it was really a, a sense of panic when teams would get in tight on penalty kills. You're not seeing anymore um, as even progressed. Yeah, like this this penalty kill has also changed in that it seems. How do I want to word it? it, it it's aggressive, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, but it it's. Is it's aggressive in a responsible way. Like, I don't know how to put it. It seems like the players now are managing the cycle really well. They're able to get in front of shooting lanes. There are a couple of Mm -hmm. block shots and, you know, Campbell did have not a, uh, like a light workload tonight. He still had 33 shots or sorry, uh, 28 shots um, to, to face. But at the same time, there were a lot of, blocked shots sticks in lanes turning maybe like what would have been a grade a danger chance in that first period when there was a three-on-one nurse very smartly just was able to deflect the pass and turn a grade a scoring chance all the way down to just nothing uh this team has improved defensively as a whole and it almost seems like that has boosted the penalty kill uh without really changing many of the the parts around yeah, of course. Like, you know, we're coming to the chat here from Frankie Fonsico talking about Evander Kane. And a good point she, a good point Frankie makes about how um, Evander Kane shooting the public were passing and the second line kept using a little bit more tonight. So it's a good point on Frankie's part talking about Evander Kane. I agree that if Kane wasn't as
has shoot first mentality, a ticket line could have could have done a little bit more. Yeah, like I, I feel like in the last little while, uh, Kane was playing really well. This is maybe one of his weaker games. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, early on, there was that one chance where he sort of rushed towards the net, very smartly stopped himself from crashing into Dostal. It, it's Anaheim. You don't need to stir up drama. You don't need to have any risk of injury in a scrum or anything like that. Um, but he does tend to have that shooter's mentality. Um, last game, he had a really nice assist on Dreisaitl's goal. But for this one, I think it's it's a tough question because that is his natural sort of way. He, he shoots true, the though. puck well. Mm-hmm. Now, with a wrist injury, it, it might not come off as well this season um i think he still probably has to work out a little bit of maybe strength maybe a little bit of like that flexibility or at least the feeling uh in his wrist but i i think it's always gonna be a shoot first mentality for kane uh as long as he's able to keep his vision wide open he will still pass when an opportunity presents itself um and I think that's where Dreisaitl and Yamamoto, the way that they've been deployed right now, is actually very, very good. Because you have Yamamoto and Kane who can both sort of do that puck retrieval. And now Dreisaitl, giant, big, German, hulking guy, is also getting in and winning board battles. Uh, that line is almost like skilled, but pesty, right? Like they're they're kind of pesky to play around, but any single one of them will make it through your goalie if you give them too much time alone with a with a shot, right? Mm, no, I totally agree with that. I totally right with that one. Yeah, like uh, there's there's so much to say about the makeup of this team right now. That's the lines that we've sort of been rolling, but you can very quickly change that up even without going the nuclear option with McDavid and Dreisaitl. You can very quickly change it up by swapping, say like Hyman, Yamo, Kane, Nuge, like just having those guys swap around. If someone is not having the best night, you could even bring up like Fogel in a pinch. He's proven that he can skate really hard, Mm -hmm. get into trouble areas and be a top six winger too. Yeah, now what Warren Fogel's done, it's funny because remember, earlier in the season, there was so much talk about Warren Fogel. He's got to, he has to step up, he has to step up, and for a while, he was on the trade bait list. He was a guy who you thought might get shipped out. But credit to Warren Fogel, he has stepped up in the second half of the season and has shown that he deserves a place in his roster. Because earlier in this year, it was pretty questionable. He was very inconsistent earlier in this year. And you're seeing him producing points at a much more consistent rate as they depth forward down this roster. Yeah, like I think now the only knock against Vogel is his contract, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's there's no there's no real reason to nitpick at his play and say, yeah, he's he's got this weakness and that weakness. He's fitting his role really, really well. The only reason you might want to move on from him is his contract number Um, that that. You know what, though? Like, that's kind of the case for a couple of Oilers. And more Im- more importantly to me, I'm seeing that Ken Holland, and it, it was very clear during some of that Oilers uh, Plus, Oilers Plus uh, video and stuff like that behind the scenes, where Tyson Berry, beloved guy on the team, 
great in the room, great offensively, but you you had to move out his money to bring in an upgrade, and Ken Holland wasn't afraid to do that. So in the offseason, we're probably going to see some moves uh, for contract reasons, but I have my faith that Ken Holland will do his best to balance it out, figure out who needs to come, who needs to go, and ultimately upgrade this team again in the offseason. It'll be interesting. I know we see, I know I saw a couple of rumors out there that David Severson could be a name that comes in. He is someone who I would welcome entirely on that back end. David Severson would be a great upgrade for the blue line. That is a guy they do decide to acquire this summer. Yeah, and I'm, obviously that's going to come at the expense of someone like a Cody CC, um, who Cody CC hasn't had the best season. I think he's really picked it up as of late, but you're right. If if Severson comes in, that's that's an upgrade, and you gotta do your best as a GM. You know, and Frankie and Chat very upset that we lost Tyson. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it feels awful because he's such a great guy and a great person in the community. But he was he was unfortunately the expense that was needed to pay to bring in an Ekholm. And if that happens in the off season, let's say you know a CC for someone like a Severson. It's going to suck as well, but we got to improve the team no matter what. If we win a cup this season, this season, we're still going to try and push and improve. And some people are going to have to go in order to make another adjustment, another improvement to this team. No, you're you're totally right with that. You're totally right. Although I I did find it funny now how people are... Kind of, sort of, not really joking about parade routes telling Jasper Avenue for a parade. <laughs> like, all right, I think, all right, all right, let's slow down. Let's, let's calm down for a second here. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. There, there are, how, how do I put this? Like, there are a lot of scenarios that kind of play out in my head. But I think it's important to also realize now that this this is going into the playoffs. You can think about as many scenarios as possible. There's all of that can go out the window because regular season hockey and playoff season hockey are totally, totally different. Um, I'm going to have to change my mentality because very clearly game over Edmonton is going to go into the playoffs. Uh, Avery, you're going to be hosting a lot of games. Zach will be hosting a lot of games. I will be there as well. But that's it for this episode of game over Edmonton. We've been going on a little bit long. Sorry, Adam, but (laughs) next game It's going to be Saturday, April 8th, 2 p.m. It's a matinee game against the Sharks. We can probably expect a very similar game to this one, hopefully. But Avery will be bringing you that one. Um, Hopefully, it's an entertaining game so that Avery can also uh, move on and talk about other things. Like if if we're looking at a snooze fest of a game like the first period in LA, it might be a 30 minute show of just playoff talk. (laughs) We try and keep it even, but depending on how that game goes and depending on how every game goes until the end of the regular season, we might just be talking a lot of playoffs. It might be, you know, I totally agree with that. So we will see how things go on Saturday, but I'm sure it'll be a fun game again against Saturday Sharks. And we will see you then. That is it for us tonight. 
thank you so much for being here chat uh, a lot of you have kept through it is almost midnight we have 31 watching live still amazing uh thank you so much for being here that's it for us tonight avery where can they find you they can find me on twitter on avery at avry you can find all the content jokes food takes all the stuff all on that twitter account <laughs> maybe maybe skip the food takes <laughs> <laughs> just saying uh, and you can find me also on twitter at dennis lee y-e-g that is it for us tonight and as we end on an oilers w it's customary for us to play, play la bomba baby. baby good night game over powered by sports interaction canada sportsbook